0: Method to the Madness is next. You're listening to Method to the Madness, a bi-weekly public affairs show on KALX. Berkley, celebrating Bay Area innovators. I'm Lisa Kiefer, and today I'm interviewing Irmis Barroeta and Bobby Chang from Mission Heirloom through a cafe and food delivery system. Mission Heirloom is going beyond organic and sustainable to create food that optimizes health. We're here today to talk to Irmis Barroeta
1: and Bobby Chang. Bobby Chang. What is Mission Heirloom? Mission heirloom is a platform for people to experiment with their health and figure out what food is going to fuel you best. What we're doing for that is pretty much a cafe here in Berkeley, so people can come over and experiment with food. A cafe. Yes. But you also
0: have a kitchen, right, that you are delivering product from as well
1: yes okay, we have so... two locations so what we have is a commissary kitchen which is like a central kitchen where we prepare everything uh, all our meals or our food products and from there we deliver to what's going to be our cafe right now because the cafe is in construction we are actually we have an online platform and people can go in and online and order the meals and okay. take them home
0: well there's a lot of online delivery of food now how is your business different from all the others out there?
2: We want to focus on the food first and make sure the quality of the ingredients are sourced absolutely the best possible. The cooking techniques are um, not introducing any toxins. And a lot of the food delivery service, they focus on logistics. They may have some of the components of good food ingredients and how it's prepared, but we really wanted to focus on the food first and then as a mechanism, deliver the food to the people. So
0: Give me an Example, practical example of how that works? Like, how is it different?
1: We are looking into 15 to 20 different layers of what goes into our food. So it's not only about seasonal, local, Organic. I think we're ready to go beyond that. So we are uh, looking into also how are we cooking? How are we treating these ingredients? For example, the olive oil is that depending on the level of uh, refinement that the olive oil has, if you heat it past its a smoking point, then you burst the fat molecule. And by bursting the fat molecule, you're creating five, six toxins that are compounds that can be carcinogenic. So you're going beyond the food to nutrition, it sounds like. We're looking into the science behind it. We had to start educating ourselves about how to develop a criteria to read this science so that we wouldn't be sidetracked or impressed by pseudoscience. So that's where our journey began. And then once we've compile the science, we start looking for solutions in how to implement them in the kitchen. We're looking into the science behind the chemicals that are usually present in the sanitizers for the three compartment sink and how that affects our health. We're looking into the science behind the bleach that are usually in the towels that are used in the the kitchen. So we look for oxygen products so there's no leaching and no cross-contamination with those chemicals into our food because these are small things that accumulate uh, rapidly in the kitchen. We're also looking at, for example, uh, the different amino acids that are found through an animal And uh, trying to balance them so that when we make, for example, meatballs or a meatloaf, we are uh, giving you a very well-balanced, nutritious food. This is very chemistry-oriented. Are you scientists? We are actually designers, and we came to these as frustrated consumers. And we're standing on the consumer side of uh, the equation. We had to figure this out for over five years. We've been studying about this. But what was your motivation? Our health. Your health, your personal health. Mm -hmm. Our personal health. It was uh, a little bit out of whack. You could see us, and you know, you look at us as healthy people—we young, active—but there is little things off, and these little things off that people tell you, "Oh, you're just starting to get old once you leave your 20s," and and we refuse to believe that. And and that uh, search led us to meet a lot of doctors, a lot of scientists that usually are very concentrated on a specific subject. And what we did is try to have that 30,000 feet high view and start putting it together and say, oh, wow, these are all the components. And where we arrive is that based on each individual's biology and physiology, everybody needs a different diet. Every person have different needs.
0: That's so complicated. It's complex and it sounds like it would be very expensive to try to do this individually for people. So, how are you doing this so that you can handle everybody?
2: Well, there are some basic things like non GMO gluten, grains, and these are some of the bigger aggressors. And so if you start to eliminate those, then you can actually give your body a break from the inflammation that those things cause. So once you start to take some of the bigger aggressors out, your body can start to go on the path of reducing inflammation, detoxing, and start to sense again what healing feels like. So can we start with the bigger things? The 20% that is the 80% of the aggressors. Once you take those things out, then you can start to go and be more specific on, okay, are you allergic to this or is this causing sensitivity or what other ingredients are causing things in your body that's causing inflammation? So it's really about going on a journey. For us, it took a while because we didn't, Um, understand the full landscape of this. But once you start to dig in, we've actually uncovered things that can help people accelerate this.
0: Like what? Tell me some of those things. That's interesting.
1: It would be very easy, instead of going into the testing route, to go into what we call the exploration and discovery diet. So you can come to us and say, Okay, Irmys how do I know what I should eat? And as Elise says, pretty simple. Let's give you food, controlled food for the next three weeks, four weeks. And then we start introducing certain ingredients. Once you're completely detoxed once you give your body and your immune system a little bit of a break it resets and it will tell you i don't like this ingredient and then you can start listening to that and see your body naturally wants to start healing so if you have a controlled meal plan
0: for how long
1: i would love to work with people for 30 days it's not that big of the commitment some people do 10 days 15 days Every little bit that you do counts. Even if you did want to you for three days, counts. But if you're really serious about discovering, let's say we discover five most aff- effective uh, ingredients that for you, I would say thirty days. And then once you ha- are out of those thirty days, you need to give it maybe two to three weeks to start reintroducing and observing what your body's telling you. And the reactions are pretty strong and very tangible.
0: And then what is the next thing that you do?
1: You Where know, do you stop? It depends on you on you and yeah. your personality. It yeah. depends on uh, some people like to take really little steps, and we're here to accommodate that. And some people want to go full force and say, just give me everything. I don't want to think about it. Just give me the food, and I'll tell you how I feel, period. It takes 30 days, 90 days. I don't care. I want to get to the bottom of these. Other people are like, I'm fine, you know. If I if I do a little bit, where can I start? And we usually say, well, stop with the refined oils, start cooking with ghee and coconut oil, and and see how you feel. Depending on you, you will also want uh, your feedback. Do you want a strong feedback from your body, or do you want a soft feedback for your for your body, and that is enough? It really depends from person to person of what uh-huh. they what they are willing to do.
0: So that's interesting that you're even looking at the chemicals that go into laundry and the towels and all this stuff in the kitchen. What has been your biggest challenge in that arena? What are you encounter? Well, the, the,
2: the typical food distribution system that's out there now really addresses convenience. And so it's easy to pop into one food distributor and buy all the things that you need. But they may not have the green solutions they may not have the solutions that are less plastic uh, bpa all those things and or or less uh, um, aluminum products because that 's also harmful when you 're cooking with them so our challenge has really been to seek out at every level. What is going to be the best solution for now? And really set that as a goal so we continue to actually keep looking at different parts of the food service business and try to improve all the time. So
0: you are they changing because of what you're telling them or, or are you going to have to do it yourself?
2: Well, I think we're going to have to partially trying to suggest to them like we're looking for this because it's also a demand when you start demanding people start to go well let's supply that demand and so if they can't then we have to go out and look for other solutions and see what else is possible out there and you know frankly we've actually come across a bunch of companies that are already thinking about this and so you know our whole goal is to really change and create another option for a food supply chain in that, you, you better all the different aspects of it. And because we're designers and our background is really to find what's best for consumers and for ourselves, really, we can start to uncover things that are useful and things that other food suppliers may want to use and offer that information to whoever wants to go down this path of using better products and being more conscious of the things that they're using.
0: Well, tell me about your kitchen that you're using. I went over there. It's beautiful. It's in Berkeley. Is it communal or are there other kitchens there? It looks like a big building.
2: Jonah is the person who developed the Berkeley kitchen. And he basically saw a need for uh, food operators that were sharing commercial kitchens. And he created a warehouse full of 15 or 16 kitchens. Each kitchen is uh, operated by one one operator you're you're in a space where you have a lot of people that work in the same industry so you can share ideas and talk about different things that matter um, but essentially you have your own kitchen and he's built it out so you have the hood and you have some basic plumbing and the things that you need to get started and we went in there and, and got the space so you know there's different operators ranging from caterers to food production and we happen to, to be kind of a combination of a few of those things and it's a great uh, venue for people to just share share ideas, but you do have your own space and you operate your own business out of it.
0: And you're opening a cafe
1: in North Berkeley. Is it Mission Heirloom?
2: Yes, it's also Mission Heirloom.
0: Okay. What's it going to be like?
1: We love uh, sophisticated food, but Dressing up and going to a very formal setting, it's uh, maybe not for every day. So we just want to bring it down to a casual environment where people come out, come to the counter, order the food, get the food to the backyard. We are right behind the Bank of the West on Vine Street where it used to be the, the veggie food. And they, they were using a gorgeous garden that they had in the back. It's uh, 2,000 square feet. It's pretty mm. big. So what we're doing is opening and replanting it and creating a, a little oasis there so you can connect with your food. And we're putting a, a greenhouse in the back as well so it's uh, warm and through the whole year so we can sit outside and enjoy the sun. Just um, keep it open and very flexible to go with kids, to go with family, to meet a, a girlfriend for a glass of wine.
0: Will it represent the same philosophy, you know, how you are doing individual how will you do that in a cafe where people come from all over and you don't know them? What are going to be your basic items?
1: All our food is gluten-free. And then our menus are, are designed as building blocks to accommodate people. Most of our clients almost everybody I would dare to say have some sort of allergy or a food uh, dietary restriction. Well, we see those dietary restrictions are culinary opportunities. And we are designing our menu and building blocks. So, for example, eggs are very problematic but a lot of people. So we're not cooking with eggs, but we always have them as an add-on upon request. And that's the challenge. is uh, how are we going to keep it really simple for people to come in, understand the the of what we're doing, is pretty much international comfort food designed in ways that is easier to order based on what you know you can have or you cannot have.
0: So it's going to be sort of like building blocks to a, a meal.
1: Correct. And then we will have a little bit of retail options in the front. So let's say you come in, you love the meatballs, you want to take them home and have them on your fridge. You just don't feel like making dinner from scratch, but you have the components made from scratch. And you can just quickly, within 15 minutes, put together a delicious dinner at home.
0: Tell me what you guys did before you came to this. How did you meet?
1: I got invited to a conference of entrepreneurs. That's called Summit Series.
0: And where's that held?
1: It changed every year until a couple of years ago, they bought Powder Mountain. And Mm -hmm. now it's held in Powder Mountain in Utah. And I was going there because I had this friend and we both had this idea of making a lunchbox for kids. There would be a game to teach kids to eat better. So in a way, me coming from fashion design, I was making pants before and had a store doing that before. I was already in unconsciously moving into food. So I'm at this convention and this uh, friend of mine pulled me on the arm and she's very expressive and she's screaming. She's like, you have to meet this man because he's a product designer. And in her mind, he was going to help us with the lunchbox. <laughs> but we became friends. And then it just worked because we were both closing we had before we both independently have given away everything we had we were breaking from consumerism we were looking for real I was imagine coming from fashion and said this is it I want purpose in life I don't want to put products out there just for the landfill I want to do better and we started traveling together around the world helping NGOs. So we were helping them develop product lines so they they wouldn't be depending on donations and have something to sell and be self-sustainable. And then those trips started the search for health. And that's when we said, you know what, we have to go back to the United States and do this and make it fashionable and make it very successful so that all the third world countries that are starting to mimic their food intake to the American diet looking up at us and say, wow, we actually have our backyards and our orchards and we have to go back to it because they're moving away from it, which is very scary. Mm -hmm. People in Berkeley are, are early adopters. And that's why we came here. Berkeley have been in the leadership of moving the needle forward. And I think they're ready to go beyond organic, to go beyond farm to table.
0: If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Method to the Madness, a public affairs show on KALX celebrating Bay Area innovators. Today I'm interviewing Irmiz Barretta and Bobby Chang, founders of Mission Heirloom, a cafe and food delivery system going beyond organic and sustainable to create food that optimizes your individual health. Our soil and our aquifers are full of chemicals. Even if you apply organic techniques, you're still kind of subject to what has happened before. It's almost like you have to remove everything. And start from
1: scratch. That's why we're also looking a lot, a lot into biodynamics. We're looking into farmers that are so aware of this that they have a consciousness of where they are in, with points of reference from the river, their neighbors, what are they spraying. And biodynamics, for example, is, is focused on replenishing the land. But also, these farmers that have high standard organic certifications, they need to work the land for clear the land, let's say, for three years, some some even five years, before they can even grow anything that can be certified organic. So There is a lot of work happening. There's, I'm very optimistic with this uh, food movement, with the farmers' movement, with the people understanding that we need to move away from GMO and stick to organic and ideally even biodynamic while harvesting, but it, it, it will take a while. I believe that we're omnivores. These Statistics, when you look at serious studies, shows that only two percent of humans thrive in uh, vegetarian diets. Only what is it? What do you mean by thrive? The definition is that they, if we connect all our organs and all our systems in a chain, right? Each link is. Uh, Let's say one link is the heart, one link is the liver, one link is uh, the eyes, one link is the immune system. If you pull that chain with aggressors, that chain becomes stronger or weaker depending on what you feed, your genetics. So the people that thrive on their diet comes to their performance and how you pull the resistance, how resilient that chain is to different um, environmental aggressors. If you do blood testing... How, where is your sugar? Where is your cholesterol? Where is your immune system? How are you reacting to different food chemicals? It comes to resilience. That's what I see. Okay. And that's what I mean with thriving.
0: You did a lot of studies, it sounds like. Are you cooperated with a lot of people, researchers, for this idea?
2: We've also uh, used our own bodies as the experiment. So we've gone and done vegetarian for a bunch of years. Uh, Raw food, vegan, and all sorts of different things just to see how we feel from it. Through that experimentation, which is actually the best thing you can do because then you understand what's best for you, we start to realize okay, well, this works for me, and this doesn't necessarily work for her or our daughter. And the three of us became a little test group because we were eating every meal together and we were like, oh, I feel good with this. And the other person may feel, oh, I don't feel so good with that, but I feel good with this. And so we actually saw that it is a very individual thing and (laughs) even though you're coming from the same family or from the same bloodline there's still a lot of factors that will actually just make you just a little bit different from your family members and you have to go on that search to say okay what are the things that actually work for you and when you start to understand that then you start to feel ah this is the fuel that best goes for my engine and so you know that's a great thing to to be able to discover is how do you feel good all the time
0: I like this, but it takes a lot of time to do it, number one. And if you're doing the laying the groundwork, I don't have to do that, but I can trust that you're doing it for me, you know, or at least the basics so that I can then attempt to figure it out.
2: Yeah, well, in our journey, we would say probably 20% of the things that we tried – Are really good. So 80% of the things in terms of resources and time and money was like, ah, it didn't work so good. So we've already distilled for ourselves that what that 20% of the things that are actually really good are people to work with or ideas that we can work Mm -hmm. around. So we want to offer that to people and say, here's what we found. So this will accelerate people's um, journey as well as they don't have to spend the resources to do that. So if you can help people just accelerate that in terms of time and money, and then they might find out things that can help us also to I- evolve what we think about and move that part of it. Then also, you know, we're all in this together. We're working at this together to figure out what works and what doesn't work. You
0: have some really great things on your website. You, you say you have above-the-board standards, which you've talked about, head-to-tail goodness, Organic non-GMO and a chef meal daily. Yes, right? Tell me about how you'd go about starting out on this journey with you guys.
1: Yes, uh, we have uh, missionerloom.com, and people can go in there and see what we're selling for the week. Uh, we usually post the menu a week ahead. People can come to our kitchen, get a tour. And we show people everything that we're doing. Anybody that's interested can come in. And then they pick up uh, whatever order they place.
0: So you don't deliver. People come to you.
1: In Berkeley, Because it's very easy for people to come and pick up. They do come and pick up. We deliver to San Francisco. We are open to grow that business as it makes sense and as we we get demand. But since we're just new, we're just getting the voice out around that we're here. So, yeah, people usually come to the kitchen and they take the, the food home. They can take either a big box for food worth for a week or they take three meals, a couple of soups. Some people test us with a small order, and then they come back and place bigger orders. It depends.
0: And you listen to your customers. I understand that if they don't like the way something tastes or you are very flexible, at least at this
1: point. We can try to be as healthy as possible. And as progressive and looking for all the chemicals and all these things, but if the food is not amazingly delicious and be a culinary adventure, we're not going to succeed. Because we're so open-minded to everything that we eat and we're good eaters and we love everything, we also know that there's people that are a little bit more picky eaters. So we want to know. We want to know if they like our seasoning. We want to know if it's too many meatballs in a row. We want to know, and we do meatballs because of a reason, but do they know? And then are they open to eat meatballs every week? Yeah. So I think uh, because we also want to incorporate the community into this, and it's a living organism that will expand and contract, we are uh, trying to figure out what are the flavors for the locals. We don't want just want to come and impose our of, of flavors. time Time people place an order, we send them an email like, what do you think? Do you like this? Do you like the spices? Is it too salty? Is it this? And we like listening.
0: Yeah. But what what is your ultimate vision with all this? This is a big philosophy and a big shift for consumers.
2: Well, ultimately, we want to create a, another option for our food supply chain, right? And if we can create that for the consumers which is on a lot of levels from sourcing down to how it's produced, down to how it's delivered to them so that a consumer can now say, well, I couldn't eat out before, now I, but now I can go to the cafe and eat out. Or if I want to cook, we have sauces that you can take home and, and be a nice addition for your own culinary initiatives. Or the meal plan, if you don't want to do anything at all, here's another option. right? So ultimately, we want to create a, a platform where this model can be duplicated in other cities in the U.S. or around the world that have a farming community, that have a bit of an urban sprawl to it, that you know are not finding the things that they're looking for. So we want to be able to create a platform that people can then start to invest in as well.
0: So what do you mean by that?
2: How do you give this to the community so they can invest into their own food supply chain? Right. That, that to us is so important. Um, you see a lot of brands that are successful, and then a bigger brand comes and buys them, and the ingredients completely change. But the consumer is still left trusting that brand, and you know because of that trust, they don't look at the ingredients anymore, but things have shifted on them. Well, ultimately, we want to create something that the consumer has a piece of it. Right? They are owners of their own food supply chain, so they can actually understand that this is not going to be sold to some bigger conglomerate, and they're going to come in and things start to shift. you know this is something that belongs to the community, and we're here as stewards to make sure that this maintains the integrity
0: like your mission is heirloom.
2: That's right. That's right. And something worth passing down to the next generation. So
0: you would be consultants, let's say the city of Chicago, somebody in the city of Chicago wants to do something like that. Would you be consulting to the community
1: there? We we can help anybody. Yeah. You know, we had this girl from Dubai that came in and spent a few days in the kitchen. She's like, I want to do something like you guys are doing. And we pretty much sat down a whole afternoon and told her everything we're doing. If we prove this concept here in Berkeley... Then we can say, okay, now let's go to Austin. And the idea is that we're not going to go to L.A. and put the same menu that we have in Berkeley. Or if we go to Taiwan, we want to figure out Taiwanese food within Mm -hmm. these standards. And Mm -hmm. we want to empower local chefs over there. And then people that are traveling that have allergies, they know this space is going to be safe. But also this space is local. Talks to the local flavors. Talks to the local ingredients, the local people. And that's what we want is the people to say, okay, cool. If I'm eating here, I know I'm going to get the best ingredients and I'm not going to get sick. And I know what I'm getting. There's 100% transparency in our menu. And that's what we want to create.
2: Okay. It's really about elevating the standards right, of food operators. And so can we share that with other food operators so that the consumers now have more options and better options and elevated options? And so that's really what it comes down to is that can we create something that is the new standard and mm-hmm. that then we can transfer that to other places around the world? Building this was also addressing a lot of our needs. Because we were having a hard time going out to eat, we could do it, but sometimes you come back and you don't feel as good because maybe there was a few things that was lost in translation or they didn't pay attention to or something. You know, by creating a a place where people can have that social component again and talk to other people and, and for everybody to really care and be conscious of this, I think starts to create a different dialogue and conversation for this to happen
1: it only takes five days for your palate to change tastes. It only takes five days of saying, I'm going to eat this type of food, which is real food, to be able to disconnect from the cravings of sugars and processed food. That concept alone is huge. And that's what we're here for, to little by little figure it out. The more toxic somebody is, is the worse they're going to feel through the detoxification process because all these toxins start being uh, released and overflowing your liver and And your organs, and now you have to eliminate these toxins at a a rate your body is not used to. So you get headaches, you get pimples in the face, you get back aches, joint aches. The body is telling them, wow, I'm just finally having a chance to get rid of all these toxins. But it it takes a process, and it takes discipline, and it takes little steps and big steps. But we're here. We're here to help.
0: Yeah, well, I think it's great. And... um I wish you a lot of luck and I want to have you back on once your business is, you know, a little farther down the road and your cafe opens and then we can talk some more about, you know, what's happening. Thank you yeah, guys thank for you being so on much. the program. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Lisa. You're welcome.
0: You've been listening to Method to the Madness, a bi-weekly public affairs show on KALX Berkeley celebrating Bay Area innovators. If you have questions or comments about this show, go to the CalEx website and find Method to the Madness. Drop us an email. Tune in again in two weeks at this same time. Have a great weekend.